It's time for Series 3 of Shooting the Breeze. As we continue our focus on women's basketball, we'll be talking to more of the amazing players in the WNBL, the coaches that inspire them, those people behind the scenes that do so much for the sport, as well as so many more from across the Australian women's basketball landscape and beyond. It's the 42nd WNBL season, the longest-running women's professional league in the country, and this year, 2022, Sydney will stage the FIBA Women's World Cup, featuring the 12 best women's teams on the planet, playing right here on our turf. There's so much to come in this season. Subscribe, like, and review our podcast so we can get more Hoops content to you. We want to welcome on board the Island Pacific Soap Company as our first commercial partner. They make high-quality, all-natural, handcrafted bath soap. Check them out online, and a big shout-out to Paul for all the support. A lot of girls had actually done their uh, fifth year or fourth year at college, so they were all coming out of college 22, 23, 24, so still being 19, I'm still really young. And obviously as an international player, you don't actually nominate for the draft. If you've played two years pro and you're turning 20 that year, um, you're just automatically eligible. So yeah, my name was called. Unbelievable. Like I'm not even a crier, but these tears just started like flowing out of my eyes. In this episode, Jade Melbourne at 19 is shooting for a return to the Opal squad for the FIBA Women's World Cup. No one can forget her enthusiasm when she burst onto the Opal stage at the FIBA Asia Cup in Jordan earlier this year. She's the real deal in Hoop's passion, with speed and agility that was a talking point from the Japan friendlies against the hugely talented Tokyo Olympic silver medalists. Recently drafted to the Seattle Storm, a mecca for Aussie talent, Jade delayed joining the WNBA to further develop her game at home in the NBL1 and with the UC Caps. It's a fun podcast with Jade, as we tap into her love of the game and how it affects fellow teammates and fans. Her desire to learn and deeply engage no matter how many minutes she's on the court propels her basketball IQ beyond her years, much like her two basketball idols. You'll have to listen to find out who. We hope you enjoy this one as much as we did. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. Joining my co-host Jacinta Govind and myself, it's Jade Melbourne. Jade, it's really great to have you on the show. No, thank you. I'm excited to be here and look forward to talking to you guys. Awesome. I don't think there's any secret if you've listened to any of our previous episodes. We're fans. No, thank you. (laughs) No, No doubt. No doubt. And some of our guests as well have been big fans. Yeah, very true. You know, we've um, been watching your career, particularly the last couple of seasons, and it's just amazing the way you've developed and the way you're playing. It's like you're there, you're, there's enthusiasm, and it was really obvious for me at the first Japan-Australia game at the Key Centre. That was amazing. And you did. You had a great Japan friendlies. So how did you find that, that series? Because there's a lot of debut players, and... It gave a lot of players an opportunity to show off what they can do in the green and gold. Yeah, I think for us, I think everyone was just genuinely excited to be there representing Australia in our home country. You know, like we walked into the stadium and this time, like we weren't in another country where the whole crowd's against you. Like everyone there was cheering for Australia and it was just like it was an unbelievable feeling really. Um, Even for me, like 
I, I mean, I didn't debut for the Opals, but it still felt like it was just a whole new experience. And then, yeah, we had three debutants, but it was just unbelievable to be in that atmosphere representing Australia again. And yeah, we all got the opportunity to step on the floor, um, put our best foot forward for the World Cup. But I think to have a team like Japan come out to Australia and play those friendly games, it's just really good for us moving forward. Um, you don't get international games like that so often. So we just tried to make the most of it. I think we took a lot out of it as a group. We made adjustments every game. But yeah, it's just just like I said before, so cool to play on home soil in front of friends, family, um, and get the opportunity to represent the green and gold at such a high level. Yeah, i I got to say, I had a chance to have a chat to Cheryl after, the, after that first game. And um, it was great to have a chat to her about it. And it was also really interesting to hear her talk about the fact that it was a great opportunity to give a lot of younger players a chance to get out on the floor, make those adjustments like you were talking about, and also see how people would react under that sort of pressure. Because there's a different pressure when you're playing overseas to when you're playing in front of a home crowd. Yeah, you know? I agree. I think it's just so different because overseas, um, you know, like if you're playing against France in, say, Hungary, like no one's really going for you. So then you play the home crowd and they're all against you and then you play your home crowd and everyone's cheering for you. So it's like all the different kind of momentums and flows you have to ride through the game and stuff. But um, yeah, that opportunity to play in front of your home fans, like, I don't know, you, you'd get a steal or you'd keep the ball inbounds and everyone was cheering. Like, it was unbelievable that, like, every possession they were around you and it was just really cool to embrace that because, like, if I am lucky enough to make the World Cup squad or the World Cup squad that goes, they're all going to ride that momentum the whole time, you know, tickets are selling fast. So it's just super exciting, I think, for basketball in Australia and um, yeah, us young ones that had the opportunity to do that, we all just kind of wrapped it up, soaked it up and took every kind of opportunity as it came. And um, I, for sure, definitely took a lot out of the experience. Giving you a taste for September. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be unreal. Like that stadium's going to be packed out. It's just going to be so cool. And what were some of the key things that Coach Cheryl Chambers, like what were some of the key adjustments, I should say, during that series that the Opals needed to make against Japan? Because I noticed watching the series, Japan liked to trap a lot and that seemed to be something that the Opals needed to work on. But what were some of the things that Cheryl would give, like adjustments that needed to be made? Yeah, so um, like you said, Japan loves to trap a lot and that's that's what got them a silver medal essentially at the Olympics. You know, that's their style of play and, um, yeah, credit to them. They have an unbelievable style for the personnel they have. So um, we, we knew that going into game one. You would have seen often um, our four-man bringing it up the court, trying to get it out of the one-man's hand. That was kind of a tactic we put into place to try and free up the point guard and free up that pressure, um, which worked, I think, really well for us. Um, Kayla was our point guard for a lot of the time, and she loved it. But, yeah, that was kind of a tactic we used. And then in the second, third game, we tried to match their pressure on defense. You know, we were kind of standoffish a little bit because we knew their foot speed was good, but we also realized they're great shooters. So we had to kind of get up into them and kind of match their pressure and energy because right now they're just kind of getting whatever they wanted whenever they wanted. So um, that was kind of something that we spoke about and watched a lot of film on going in towards games two and three. And that's something that we want to be known as. We want to be feared defensively. So that's something that I think we're going to continue to work on. But that's definitely something we tried to adjust in games two and three. So, but yeah, there was plenty of adjustments. Um, like. Like I said, with Kayla bringing the ball up, different things. But, um, yeah, that was kind of the key focuses. 
think Kayla does like being a sneaky PG time to time, I've heard. <laughs> yeah, point forward Senegod. <laughs> she can do it all. Yeah. And she's not even she's not even a small centre either that can get away with it. Like she's still yeah. like got size on her, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. I gotta ask you about that fourth quarter in game one. I mean, you just absolutely lit it up. Did you realise while you were going through, like going through the motions of that quarter, exactly how your performance was running? Um, not really. No, like I think, yeah, it was just it was a weird feeling. Like, like I don't really like watch games like after it, but I had to go back to my room and actually watch the fourth quarter to like realize kind of what had just happened. I think because I came on, I think pretty early, I got blown by and sent someone to the free throw line, so I was like, oh, like hitting myself for that. But then after that, I think. Yeah, I just tried to play my role. Um, I've always kind of prided myself on bringing a lot of energy and being a spark um, off the bench. So, um, yeah, I kind of got that back cut from Kayla and then um, I hit Sarah on a play and it just kind of all happened in my favour. So, yeah, I did watch it after the game. I was like, well, I kind of patted myself on the back. But I think, like, my teammates all put me in positions to do that. I got great passes um, and then I just tried to be me defensively. I had fresh legs. I hadn't played much in the game so far. So I just tried to stay locked in. Um, I knew that I, what my role was when I were to go on. But, yeah, I mean, it was just so cool to get that win um, after a rough third quarter for us. But, yeah, it was definitely, yeah, I do look back at it and think, wow, like I did do all right then. Because <laughs> um, coming off the bench, and especially because you're definitely in the Opal squad, you're still really young, you know, we'll get into it later how you went from the COE to under 19 worlds to opals within like three months but we'll get into that later but uh, something I like to encourage young athletes who are coming off the bench is to provide that energy when they come on the court and to understand that even this um, small amount of time you can give you can change the whole momentum of a game and so I think that fourth quarter in game one was a really good example of how you came on with that energy that you have that we know and we love and just change the momentum of the game from that point. So when you say like you want to, you, you go on and you're focused on playing your role, what are the, say, two or three things that you really focus on when you get subbed on to make sure you're fulfilling that role? Yeah, so I think for me, I think the most important thing, like any basketball game you play, is you've got to know your um, defensive matchup. I think taking pride in your one-on-one matchup as, as well as the obviously the defensive scheme. So um, I just knew what we were in, I think. When I'm on the bench, I always try and get up and about. You've probably seen it. Like I wave the towel. I do random dances. Um, but that kind of keeps me engaged in the game because if I'm not getting up and that kind of thing, I can kind of lose focus. So when I'm doing that, I'm staying engaged. I'm watching the opposition play. Um, I'm making sure I stay engaged in timeout so I know exactly what schemes we're in. So I want to go on the court confident, knowing that I know what's going on and I don't have to ask any questions. Like obviously I will if I have to, but – I want to be like 100% knowing what I'm doing. So when I go on the court, I can just do my thing. So I want to take pride in my defensive matchup, make sure whoever I'm guarding um, is, yeah, is staying quiet as well as doing my role in the defensive to end. And then I think coming off the bench, I just like to bring energy. I think one of my strengths is uh, my ability to get to the rim one-on-one and create shots for myself and my teammates. So um, that's just what I try and do. I don't try and do anything special. I don't try to do play to like my weaknesses or my down points. I just try and make fit into the schemes and the team's kind of structure with my strengths. And that's kind of what I did in that fourth quarter. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting you talking about your engagement, even when you're on the bench. I don't think there's anybody who was watching the games over in Jordan that didn't see that that photo of you, <laughs> you know, behind the bench. And it was just the, the thing I really loved about that photo was it just encapsulated you in the one shot. You know, it's like you were engaged, you were backing the team, you were pushing hard for the team, you you were focused on what was going on. And it was all there in that one shot. And I think that's kind of one of the things that always made me notice you in the games Yeah, is the fact that you're always in there. And it's so obvious that you're, you're engaged in the game no matter what's going on. Yeah, so I think for me, I think it kind of started when I got picked in my first Vic Country team. So I was a bottom age player and I'd always been like one of the best players in my team, like I'd always had the ball in my hands and that kind of thing. And I went to like the under 16 nationals. I heard about people saying like, you know, like sometimes you won't play and I'm thinking, oh, like, yeah, right kind of thing. Like as a 14-year-old, you just think you're awesome when you make a big country state team. But the realisation kicked in and I think it was just really quickly that I had to turn my attention to how can I still play my role to the best of my ability and be the best teammate. So I think... Gaining that experience at such a young age has been so good for me because I played in teams, like I went to the Under-17 World Cup and I didn't play in four games. I went to Jordan and I played minimal minutes. So I think learning those lessons early and my roommate, I'll give credit to her too because we were watching like Patty Mills videos because he had like a tutorial on like the towel waving and stuff like that. So we watched them and we we just tried to stay engaged as much as possible. So Learning those lessons so young has helped me like and shaped me into the like the teammate and person I am today. And I've always known from that point, like whenever you get on, you just have to be locked in and stayed ready. So um yeah, I look like sometimes I can look crazy on the bench and but it's just me having fun and my way of staying engaged. I love to get around my teammates and play my role and it also helps me individually. So it's something I'll continue to do. But yeah, it definitely started from that experience and it's definitely helped me um in all the other experiences I've had and I think it'll continue to help me the key word in that for me was that you're having fun because you can still have that level of engagement and intensity and um, motivation for your team on and off the court you know when you're playing at any level but it's because you just look like you're having the best time ever all the time and there's so much joy and like celebration when you're on the bench and something good happens for your team Just for me, I think it's the fact that you're showing how much fun you're having and how much you love being there is like even as much of a lesson as your energy that you bring on the court, like when you can have that ability to change momentum of a game. It just brings back to like how much the bench still makes up a team and how Mm. much the point of it at the end of the day is you still got to enjoy it and have fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm glad you mentioned Vic Country actually because we did want to wind it back and yep. go back to the, the beginning of Jade Melbourne and ask, how did you actually get into basketball, first of all? And then I want to ask you a bit later about the rivalry between Vic Country and Vic Metro. Mm. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for me, um, like I didn't have any siblings that played, um, anything like that. I just simply got a hoop one year for Christmas. So Dad's actually still filthy on it because he stayed up all night Um <laughs> stayed up all night building a trampoline so he was in the shed till three o'clock that was our big surprise Christmas morning and then Nan rolls in at about 10 a.m with a basketball hoop she's like hey Brett can you put this together so he's still filthy on it a little bit because 
I completely ignored the fact that we just got a trampoline for Christmas and I was obsessed with my basketball hoop and a ball. So, yeah, so then from then on, I think that was in prep and I was just constantly in the backyard shooting hoops. I'd come home from school, I'd put my bag down, wouldn't eat a snack, I'd just go out, start shooting hoops. So mum got in contact with someone she knew in basketball and then that's kind of how it happened. I then... um because early days I actually um, lived in Melbourne. So I lived in um, Listerfield in Melbourne and then uh, we moved up to Terrelgan only when I was in grade one. And then I started playing for the Terrelgan T-Birds. So I was playing two games a week. I wore the T-Birds uh, socks to school because I was like, oh, how cool am I? I'm a T-Bird. <laughs> and then from then on, it just kind of progressed. So I played, yeah, all the way from under 10s to under 18s representing Terrelgan. Um, I then got involved with the Latrobe City Energy. So they're a VJBL program. So because not everyone from Terrelgan wants to play Friday nights because it's quite a big commitment to hours back and forth, we kind of formed a team with surrounding towns to make up a group of 10. So we were always quite strong. And that was one of the highlight of junior basketball, you know, the road trips you'd have with your teammates and stuff. And then, yeah, from then on, I actually told mum I wanted to go to the under-16 Vic Country tryout as a bottom age. And she's like, no way, you're not going there, you won't make it kind of thing. I said, oh, but it'd just be really good for like me to go there for next year, hopefully. And then I don't know if I was actually more excited that I'd made the team or to tell mum that I'd made the team, like to kind of be like, hey, I made it. <laughs> but then from then on, yeah, I represented um, Vic Country for the four years um, and then Victoria, obviously, for the last two. And then, yeah, I was fortunate enough to get invited to the under-17 camps and then, yeah, COE, and that's kind of what's got me to the point I am at today. We had Kristen Veal on the show some time back and – I'll paraphrase what she said uh, about you. She's like, she's always ready. She's always ready to go. She's always enthusiastic. She's always got the right attitude to get out there and play the game. That's, I mean, uh, that's such an amazing thing to hear from someone like Kristen because she obviously sees a lot of players, but that's also something I think coaches really value is somebody who's just going, yeah, I'm here, I'm ready to go. How do you credit that in assisting your role through the various teams that you got into? Like Jacinta said, you know, three months. It was Yeah. I think well that's actually very nice of Billy. She doesn't say too many nice things about no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very nice to hear. But um I think for me, like the main reason I play basketball is just because I enjoy it, you know, ever since I did get that hoop, like my love's just been the same for the game ever since. And I think for me, like whenever times get tough, I guess, or I'm not being myself or anything, I just remember why I started playing. And that's for the love and the enjoyment of the sport. You know, I love the competitive nature of it. So it doesn't matter kind of what team I'm on. Um, I just continue to be myself, just enjoy the game and try and find the most out of it. All those kind of extra sessions that I kind of am willing to do is because like, I want to be the best version of myself at the end of the day. And continue to rack up great experience that I've been lucky to have so far and I I just want to continue to do so I often refer to that quote it's you against you I try not to compare myself to anyone else because at the end of the day it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing it's me trying to be better than the jade I was yesterday so that's kind of how I've always gone about it and it's just yeah the enjoyment of the game Um, I love getting around my teammates meeting new people working on new skills and then telling the coach that I pulled it off in a game or the player. So 
um, yeah, it's that genuine enjoyment for me that's kind of got me to this point. And yeah, as soon as I don't enjoy and love the sport, that's probably when I'll retire. But I, I can't see that happening anytime soon. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it's really so good. A, a lot of your fans would love to hear that. That's yeah. excellent. <laughs> um, oh, I mean, you're you're only what nineteen right now, right? Yeah. 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 No, I'm. I mean, you can keep going until you're forty. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> you still got you got a lot of time to rack up, girl. Yeah, I'm. I'm halfway. Not even. <laughs> Not <No>. even. <laughs> I think something else that really carries you, like we already talked about how you like to stay engaged in the game, you bring energy and uh, just bring such a great sense of enjoyment to what you're doing. And I think it's also really important that you kind of demonstrate a really, really good attitude to knowing your role and to the Opals program or whatever Australian program you're a part of and to help foster that good culture back in the program as well because, as we know, it's been a bit of a... Uh, tumultuous recent history with the Opals program in terms of culture. So I think that what you bring is pro- is a really important part of rebuilding uh, the Opals culture and the the legacy as well that the likes of Timsey and Robin Marr and Sandy Brondello started for us. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, there has been no doubt a few hiccups, like it's no lie really in the last two or three years. But um, I think Sandy has done a really good job and the leadership group and the older veterans in the group have done a really good job of, it's not a rebuild stage, it's just a re-kind re of branding, I guess. Um, you know, we've still got really good players, we're not flushing heaps of people out, but we've done a really good job at the February camp and then the recent one on combination with the Japan series. We've done a really good job of doing a lot of culture workshops and trying to stay engaged together over Zooms and stuff while everyone is all over the world at the moment. So it is a really good job. And I think at the end of the day, like we obviously have our key themes, um, sisterhood being the main one that get thrown around a lot. And it's something which really trying to live up to as a group. But I think at the end of the day, everyone is just encouraged to be themselves. You know, we've all been picked in that Opal squad for a reason. And I think everyone brings their own strengths, talents, personalities, some bigger than others, some are a lot quieter. But I think at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do. So, um, yeah, I'm just trying to bring myself at the moment. I'm a 19-year-old, bubbly, energy, um, just love the game and, um, yeah, try and bring that to the group, crack jokes here and there. And um, I think Caleb quoted it in a thing, if I'm not eating, I'm giggling or something like that. So <laughs> that's kind of, yeah, as she said, that's my vibe at the moment and that's how – um, I'm getting to know the group, but all these camps, I think, are so important for us, getting to know each other individually, build those relationships, because the better the chemistry is, and that's what we want to pride ourselves on. I think that'll help us come September. Yeah, I, I mean, we've had Timsy on a couple of times, and she's always been very big on on the Opals culture, and, you know, she, she called it that yeah, the Opals need to rebuild that culture. So it's really good to hear that that's happening, because... The truth is, we've got a lot of talent. You know, there is a lot of talent in the wider Opal squad. And it's getting that talent to work together and getting the culture right so that everybody works together and supports each other is, I think, the real key to success. Because, look, to to make it to the Opals, everybody's numbers are good. They can all put the ball down. They get the ball up the court. They can defend. They can attack. It comes down to how you're all working together as a unit. And to be fair, that can be hard because we don't get that many opportunities for the Opals to play as a squad. So how do you find when you are going into a game with the Opals, that first 
couple of days before you're kind of getting into a, a series or whatever, getting used to each other again. How do you find that? Yeah, it's it's cool. I think first session of every camp is always really rusty and there's so many cobwebs, you know, we're remembering the playbook. That's one. Um, and then we're all trying to get to know each other again. Like obviously we know each other, but playing together is just a whole different thing. So we all come from our individual NBL1 teams, WNBL teams when it's in that season and we're all, yeah, it's like, oh, hey, like, oh, oh, you're a shooter. I remember like that kind of thing. So like I said, the lead up was really good for us. I think we all got in on the Monday. We had, I think, three proper team sessions before the first Friday game. And it was just really good to like play to each other's strengths. You know, uh, we always mixed up the training team. So there were never any similar teams. So we always got the opportunity to play with one another. And even there was um, swap ups made in the training. So those two hour sessions were so good for us because like you said, this camp was different to the last one and then the one coming up next week and then there's another one in July. They're all different and there's going to be members in and out, new people you're going to be playing with, people you're going to get familiar with again. So, um, yeah, those lead-up sessions are so valuable for us and, yeah, building that chemistry again because, like you said, the first session's always ugly and we always like we always reflect on it. We're like, damn, like I didn't realise I was that bad, but it's like, no, like you're not bad. Like it's just getting to know it again and stuff. But when I played in that Japan game, like that fourth quarter, I'd only ever played with Loz Nicholson at Jordan. Like I'd never played with Sarah Blitzarves, never played with Tess Madgen, never played with Kayla. So it was like we're all on the court and we had this like weird chemistry going. It's like, wow, like I've never played with you guys. So that connection we build off the court um, is super important because there is times we're going to play minimal basketball with one another, then all of a sudden we're playing international games. So, yeah, it's super important. So does it sound like you've got two more camps coming up, did you say? Yeah, so we have one in Canberra, um, not not this week, starting on the 27th, so the end of June. Um, and then we also, there's a camp that's going to be in New York in July. So I think a few adjustments will be made to the squad before then, but that's when we'll get the opportunity to go over and, um, have Sandy coach us, which is super important for the team. Also have all those WNBA girls join us when they can. So these next two camps, I think it's another 14 days together um, in total is super important because, yeah, we have to get to know one another. And, yeah, you don't get to play with these girls all the time. So it's really important to know what they can do and play to their strengths. It seems to me like the run-up to World Cup, we're getting a lot more opportunity to play. I mean, look to you know Olympics. There was there was COVID in the way, and that got in the way of everything. But it seems to me that there's a lot more opportunity to just play and train together as we get close to the World Cup. How are you finding that schedule of you know the training camps and so on in terms of how it's helping you develop your game? Yeah, just the last camp gone like. As like still young, like I just try and soak everything up like a sponge. Like I ask questions if I'm not 100% sure or something. Learning off girls that have been to Olympics and World Cup, like it's just I'm still sometimes like pinch myself that I'm in this position, you know. Um, like three years ago, like before I got the call up to the hub or two years ago, I just thought I was going to be a Caps fan again. Like, And then all of a sudden I'm in the Opal squad playing with the best players in the WNBL, WNBA. So it's really cool to be honest. So, um, yeah, I'm just trying to. Well, listen, observe, talk to people and stuff because even just like not even being on court, just what I can learn off court as well and just like life lessons and stuff about basketball, it's just so good for me and I think that's what's helped me like fast track my development in such a quick, short amount of time. So 
um, yeah, on court with the girls, playing and tra- competing against people that come at you with the same intensity, come at you with the same sort of pressure that you like to do. I think yeah, it's just really cool. So any chance I get the opportunity to go to a camp, I just try and grab it with two hands, put my best foot forward. But at the end of the day, I'm just continuing to learn because that's kind of what's got me to this point. So yeah, I've got to continue to do it. But in terms of the international games, I think the coaching staff and kind of members of BA have done a really good job of trying to get more international games and preparation time for us because that's something that a lot of people came back with feedback that we needed more time to actually play together and play against high-quality competition that's not just ourselves or a, a boys' team that just do dunk and stuff. So um, that's kind of what the action plan they put in place and they've done such a good job of getting Japan out here, um, going to New York, and I'm sure there'll be practice games against international teams there. But, yeah, they've really done a good job of putting a great action plan to put us in the best position to do really well at the World Cup. Because we were talking before about, you know, opals of the past when we are talking about culture, and I referenced Timsey and Robin Ma, but in reflection, I understand they're the opals that I grew up with, and now you and I have a significant age difference. So I'm just interested to know, like, who are the Opals uh, or even, a, you know, basketball players that you looked up to when you were still playing juniors? I always loved watching uh, Belinda Snell. So she was from Merbury North, which is like Gippsland area. So, like, obviously I had a soft spot for her. So, But I can still remember um, watching her three-quarter court buzzer beater. And that was kind of the moment <laughs> where I was like, I want to do that. Like, I want to go to an Olympics. Like, that was like the turning point for me. Yeah, I remember like we had to do, say like what kind of motivated you to be an Opal and I was, that's it. Like I was in grade three and Tess Madgen was like, wow, you're in grade three then. Um, but yeah, it was it was like cool. So I liked watching her. But I think when I kind of started to understand basketball and I think watching it to someone that actually understood what was going, like I always loved watching Katie Ebsbury. I think she was the one for me that uh, I just thought she was awesome. Just the way she carries herself, her demeanour. She breaks a player down 1v1 and creates shots for others. So that's someone I started to kind of really look at and try and take parts away from it. And obviously um, all the other girls, um, like Kayla was someone that tests, like they were all in the squad as I was growing up and stuff like that. But I think definitely Katie was the one that um, I really liked watching because I feel like there were similarities in our game. And, yeah, just the way she went about it really stood well with me. Well, for any uh, regular listeners, they'll know that, my youngest daughter, I'm sure you'll become one of her favourites just by talking about Snelly because she absolutely loves Snelly. Yeah, how can you not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I just want to wind it back for a second because this one's got me curious. The whole Vic Metro, Vic Country rivalry, because I know you mentioned it, Jacinta, and I think we need to we need to talk about that one. Because me growing up playing for New South Wales Country, we, yeah. When when I went to my first nationals or hearing about uh, under 16 nationals from people who went bottom age, everyone's like Vic Metro is like the benchmark. And so we also had a little bit of a, a rivalry with Vic Metro, but me being New South Wales and you being the other Vic team, I imagine the rivalry between country and Metro would have been a lot more intense. It is for sure. So funny enough, I only played, we were always in different pools to Metro. So I actually only played against them once in my four years playing for Vic Country. So we never clashed against them. Like 
we often finished top of our pool and so did they. So we only played them in the gold medal match. We often end up in bronze. We lost the semi-final. We were a bit hopeless. But I still remember under-16s. Under-16s nationals were in Perth and we came – we shouldn't have made the gold medal match. Um, we came third in our pool. We got smashed by New South Metro by like 20 points. Our other rival is New South Country because we obviously go to Aubrey Cup and we lost to them in the semi-final by a point. So that was huge for a lot of us. Like we were like, nah, like you're done. <laughs> um, so we took care of them and then we had a – like it was a 40-point turnaround. We went and beat New South um, Metro. Then we were playing Vic Metro and we got out to the hottest start. Like we were up – they had to blow a timeout really early. Such an unbelievable game. It actually went into overtime and then we just ran out of legs and then I actually missed the game-winning floater. I had the opportunity to uh, to win it, rimmed in and out, and then we lost by 14. Oh. We scored first, but they, they just had the legs on us. But, yeah, Gemma, Gemma Potter, who I'm really good friends with, always reminds me because she went through playing for Vic Metro. She didn't lose a game. She got four gold medals. I'm like, well done, mate. Like, But, yeah, it's certainly real because I think all of us play against them in the VJBL competition and we were just going at it. But it, it is cool. Um, I try and not get too much into it because I'm just not that type of person. Some people take it a lot more personal than I do, but – whenever we line up against Vic Metro. And even if I go talk to – I spoke to the under-18 girls this year at um, Nationals before they played them in the uh, the quarterfinal. I said, just beat them. Like, please, just beat them. So, <laughs> yeah, we definitely like to think we're the better Victorian team. But, um, yeah, Metro have always been the benchmark and I think they continue to will be there. They're very good. It's interesting that you, you talk about that because you're like, oh, you know, just beat them. Yeah. How – you know, it's 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 obviously <laughs> you know you've got you got a lot like a real rivalry going there. Do you think that that really sort of helps generate the quality of the players when you've got those really intense rivalries? I think so. I think anytime there's a rivalry, I think it just fires you up or gives you that little bit more fuel to the fire, I guess. So I think it's good, and I think at the end of the day, like all those rivalries are really healthy, like relationships because. As a Victorian cohort, we do a lot of stuff together. You know, we have the Victorian National Performance Program where camps are done with Vic, Vic Metro and Vic Country. So by 18s, we all get along quite well. Some people don't because they still think, oh, their country, their Metro, which is fine by me. Like if you need to be like that, you got to be like that. But I think for me, like it's just really good because you, then you get to go up against really good quality players. And I think as a Victorian, you know, I think that's why Victoria does such a good job because – we do combine both programs and we always push ourselves. Those camps are always really intense, but also get the opportunity to get to know people and stuff. And I think um, a lot of teams I've played with, I think that's really helped us because Australian teams quite often, there's been like six of us girls that have come from Victoria and we all know each other and have that bond and relationship already. So um, it's been really handy, but yeah, once Vic Country suits up in the white and Vic Metro suits up in the in the navy. It's game on and there's no <laughs> friends in that until the final siren. Looking at that that rivalry, which obviously builds resilience, how did that help you with this WNBL season? Because let's face it, it was a tough season for the Caps. Yeah, so I think it's kind of hard because a lot of that stuff like – yeah, you're obviously resilient and stuff in those kind of games. But I think this season was just nothing you could train for, really. Everything that happened, and it wasn't just the Caps. I think we we did cop a fair bit, and I was like, 
saying to someone, can you imagine explaining to the, this season to, to someone in five years' time? And I was like, they wouldn't believe half the stuff I've just said. They'd be like, yeah, right, that kind of thing. But we did go through a lot. So I think, yeah, that kind of rivalry set me up. But, um, yeah, nothing – I feel like this season I've taken so much out of it just on the resiliency, to be patient, just a heap of lessons that I don't think any experience in juniors could have taught me. Yeah, it was definitely a wild ride. I think the cool thing about it, though, was I I was part of such a good Canberra group that we, as a group, we were so resilient. You know, um, a lot of things were thrown at us, but together we stayed really united, and that was the coolest thing about it. We had really good leaders in Kelsey, Brit Smart, a lot of girls, Kelly Wilson, that had had such a, um, an amazing amount of experiences already. So yeah, just getting through it with them, um, it was cool. But yeah, this season, uh, yeah, the, obviously resilience has been built from that, but a whole nother level of resilience has been built after this season. Because you've got like, you know, you've got all of that kind of hardship almost with the caps and like you were talking about building the resilience with that experience. But then, yeah, as we touched on before, you've very quickly gone from, you know, your Vic Country State program to the COE to two lots of worlds. And then within months, you went from under 19's worlds where you got a silver medal and you're in All-Star 5. And then wasn't it within like a month or something you were in the Opal squad? Yeah, so I got I got the email actually that I'd been included in the Opal squad while I was at the under-19s tournament. So I kind of brushed it off because, you know, you're so caught up focused in that. Um, and I had a quite a big leadership role of being captain of that team. So I was so focused, caught up in like making sure everything was smooth off court because there's a lot of hurdles we had to juggle there. You know, we were in a hub. Um, we couldn't do much and uh, different girls had never been like I was the only player that had been to a World Cup before so I had quite a task on my hand off the court kind of answering questions um, girls were uncertain about international games they didn't realize that like playing against a European team is different to a African team then that's different to the US so yeah when I kind of got that email I kind of looked at it text mum and dad but didn't even really say anything it was so off the back of my head. It wasn't until I got into quarantine that I was like, oh, I could be going to Asia Cup in a month's time. So <laughs> it was really crazy. And then I actually got named as an emergency for the Asia Cup squad. And it had been such a big eight months um, because I kind of finished up with the WNBL hub and then I kind of took three weeks off, but then I was back up to the AIS. And then we had an Oz camp. So we started preparing for that and Waratah, we didn't get to go home. So yeah, that was crazy. So my idea for quarantine was to just chill out for 14 days. I was like, how good is this? And then the last day of quarantine, I get a phone call that I'll be going to Asia Cup. And I was like, I haven't done barely anything for 14 days. And now I'm about to make my Opal's debut. I was like, oh, no. Like, it was the one time that I wasn't like, I was ready, but like I was not really ready. So it just everything happened so quickly. So I was going home. I figured out like a exemption because obviously Victoria was in lockdown to get into stadiums. I called a coach. I was like, look, we need to do individuals every day. And I couldn't do any team practice. So yeah, got pretty prepared in 20 days. And then the next minute I was off um, to Asia Cup and that was just unbelievable. You know, there was nine of us that debuted for the Opals and it was just that genuine appreciation that we're representing the Australian Opals in an international tournament, you know, Half of us were just laughing, smiling, happy to be there. And I think that kind of showed the way we played. We just had a genuine care for one another. Um, we just appreciated the position we were all in, playing international basketball in the middle of a pandemic. And 
yeah, I, I didn't think I'd be making my debut for the Opals in 20 days after a World Cup, but here I was. So um, unbelievable experience and um, it's definitely made me, um, you know, catch the travel bug to continue to represent the Opals. So it's interesting that you've caught the travel bug, you've played internationally, but you delayed your start in the WNBA. I mean, you know, lots of people would look at that and go, what? She's delayed going to the WNBA? So what was your thinking and, and your rationale for saying, I'm going to wait and delay that? Yeah, so Sammy, my agent, when I first signed with him, he was kind of like, oh, next year's draft year. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to get drafted kind of thing. Like, like I've always kind of, I'm always pretty high on confidence and stuff, but I think I was just like, yeah, yeah, kind of thing. And then I actually met Sammy for the first time when he flew down to Australia in March. Yeah. Um, first time I got to know him, we had an hour and a half chat just about everything that was happening. And he said, so have you got any plans for draft night? I was like, oh, like it's actually happening, like kind of thing. And then he's like, yeah, yeah, like I've been in contact with Seattle, a few other clubs, and I was like, oh, all right, like I'll let mum and dad know. And I actually had to get Sammy to ring mum because she's like, it's not happening. Like, no, like, no. <laughs> so mum's always been the biggest supporter but the most realist person. She's like, no, 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 like keeps me very level-headed which has been very impactful on me. But then in that um, same conversation I had with Sammy in March, I, we kind of decided that we weren't going to go over immediately. I just think me being so young, I was the youngest player in the draft. A lot of girls had actually done their uh, fifth year or fourth year at college. So they were all coming out of college, 22, 23, 24. So still being 19, I'm still really young. And obviously as an international player, you don't actually nominate for the draft. If you've played two years pro and you're turning 20 that year, um, you're just automatically eligible. So yeah, my name was called. Unbelievable. Like I'm not even a crier, but these tears just started like flowing out of my eyes. And then, yeah, we made the decision back then. Um, So it was Sammy, mum and dad, and a few other coaches that probably wasn't ready to go over immediately. I just think I haven't had a proper preseason so to say in two three years so I just really wanted to work on myself over these next 12 months I want to try and put on a little bit of size um, so I can keep up physically with them in the WNBA um, improve the consistency of my three-point jump shot and just a few other little things in my game and I also just didn't think there was any rush you know Seattle already had a pretty full roster and they were happy to stash me if and were happy for me not to come over immediately so I landed in a really super fortunate position. And, yeah, I think just to be patient with it, you know, um, they stash me, they keep my draft rights until I'm ready to go over there. So um, it was quite a draining WNBL season. So, yeah, hopefully I can have a really good year next year and then go over there to training camp confidently and hopefully secure a roster spot because I want to stay in that league and play at the highest levels for as long as possible. So that's kind of the decision-making and thinking behind that. And with Seattle as well, who's already got such a strong history uh, with a lot of amazing Australian talent, like all the way from Abby Bishop to the GOAT, Lauren Jackson. So, And currently still got Ezzy and Steph Talbot on their roster too. So you'll be like in very good company. It almost sounds like there's a little bit of a Aussie exchange happening directly with Seattle. And that look, I, that's not a bad thing. I'm all for it. No, I'm here for it. I think it was really cool too, like, my name was called at about 10.50 and within the, within the hour, Talbs and Ezzy had both texted me and then I also got a text from LJ that night. So it felt really special that that like Aussie Seattle connection, like were looking out for me. They obviously seen my name called and yeah, were willing to reach out and stuff. But I think it's really cool that 
I like it because Seattle also green and gold. But yeah, it was really special to kind of get recognised by them and also to land it somewhere that does have that rich kind of Australian um, pathway, I guess. And so when Sammy W, who's also been a past guest on our podcast, actually, so when he's called you and said, what are your plans for draft night? Now, correct me if I'm wrong, weren't you just at a pub with Liv Pollard? (laughs) Yeah, so my dad's recently opened up a new pub called The Crown. He'll love that I've just given them a shout out. (laughs) Where is it? Yeah, it's in Terrelgan. So I was home. So I just got out of quarantine. Um, Obviously, all us caps got COVID. I just got out of quarantine. I made my way home, uh, stayed there for till the draft, and then I drove down here to Ballarat. So, but yeah, we're in the pub, and I didn't really invite anyone. I think I had a couple of people from Terrell and my gym coach from back home, a couple of coaches, and then mum, dad. And I was like, Polly was in Australia. I was like, oh, Polly, like, come up, could be drafted, couldn't, might not be, but come, come have a good time. So, um, we definitely enjoyed the day. Um, we celebrated pretty hard, but yeah, Polly, Polly, I've grown up playing six years. Like we did all the Vic country stuff together. She was my bottom age buddy from day one. We lived at the AIS together. So I think to have her there, one of my favorite teammates of all time was, it was really special to share the moment with her. And she also started crying. So, I mean, we don't just, we don't get jealous of each other. We're just genuinely happy for each other's successes. So yeah, she was there and it was really cool. I just loved how like um, informal it looked and really like down to earth. It's like, I'm just in a pub with my close friends and my family. And it was great that it was your dad's pub because I can't imagine a lot of pubs anywhere would want to have the WNBA draft (laughs) playing. So it's like, you've got your own pub to make sure you've got a TV screen that you need. And then your your face, you were like genuinely shocked when they called your name. It was just the most wholesome draft experience that I've seen. I think it was just like the smile was so big. My dimples were both out. I was just like, oh. Like, <laughs> um, that was really cool. And it was lucky because Dad's pub actually shut it on a Tuesday. So we had a massive TV screen um, and it just worked out perfect, yeah. Such a country bogan, right? Just like <laughs> in a park. Awesome. No, it's but great. No, it was it was legit the perfect day. I'm not I'm not a big kind of person that put my name out there. I hardly told anyone that I was in the draft, so it was just a perfect situation for me. Let's just step away from basketball for a second. What do you do when you're not playing basketball? And uh, you know, it's obvious you're playing an awful lot of basketball. So, <laughs> what does that spare time look like? I mean, obviously in Ballarat, I've got a lot of spare time at the moment. So I've been doing a lot of cooking, actually. Like I've been trying to, yeah, get in the kitchen a little bit. Mum did all my cooking until I moved to the AIS and the dining hall did it all. So um, I, just <laughs> scraped, I just scraped through, really. Um, at Canberra last year, I was like making, I don't know, frozen meals, whatever kind of happened. So that's something I wanted to do this off season too. So I've been trying different recipes every week all different types of stuff like that. I'm also a massive AFL fan. I follow the Melbourne Ds. Um, so often I'm just like uh, watching that. I often go outside, kick the footy. Yeah, I like to be outdoors. I've got a Nintendo Switch. I pride myself. I'm pretty good at Mario Kart. But, yeah, I think just when I'm not playing basketball, I'm just a your typical kind of 19-year-old kid. I just love to hang out with friends, chill out, watch Netflix. Uh, I love watching The Office, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, they're kind of my things I do away from the court. Now, more hey. importantly, when you're playing Mario Kart, A, what console? And B, what character do you pick? Yeah. Good question. <laughs> Very important. So uh, 
I got a Nintendo Switch for Christmas. So I'm on the Switch at the moment. And I also I love going Yoshi. Yoshi on a uh, I can see oh, you yeah. being a Yoshi, actually. Yoshi. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yoshi on the motorbike. That's me. I think that's the winning point. On the motorbike. Okay, see, I'm coming from Nintendo 64 primetime Mario Kart days. So we are no motorbikes. <laughs> oh, no, no motorbikes. No, no, no yeah. motorbikes in that version. So yeah. Yoshi yeah, on a motorbike. <laughs> yeah, I unlocked it the other day. I got some nice wheels. I'm looking good. Cool. Maybe, maybe that can be like an inspired for your, if you ever get into NFTs, and I don't know what it is but i see a lot of other basketball players having nfts but if look if that ever comes your way maybe your nft can be inspired by yoshi on a yoshi. motorbike yeah. like my head in like a yoshi costume on a motorbike. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> no, um, yeah i do not understand nfts bitcoin all that yeah nope. someone can teach me if, but no nah, <laughs> no idea and the other question is what's the favorite recipe at the moment. So I love I love pasta. I think I've been playing around with a lot of pasta sauces at the moment. Bolognese, gnocchi, yeah, whatever. So I made like a uh, creamy chicken pasta the other night that was all right. Got a got a tinker with it a little bit, but um, yeah, different sorts of pastas. Yeah, that's kind of been my go to at the moment. So yeah, it's it's going all right. Are you making the pasta from scratch too, or are you focusing on the sauce first? Oh. <laughs> Come on, ba- baby steps. I've gone from nothing to I figured out how to boil it. Nah. Um, <laughs> no, we actually had a friend over the other day. Ali was a Tina. So one of her friends came over the other day and taught us how to make gnocchi from scratch, which was really interesting. So that was good. But yeah, just been kind of focusing on the sauces. I mean, it's so easy when the packets of pasta are right there. You just boil the water. So that's kind of been my go to. Oh, you're so right. Like, yeah, focus on the art of the sauce because it's really the sauce that makes it, hey, unless you get into some fancy restaurant thing where you order ravioli, right, and then it's like two bits of ravioli and you're like, where's the rest? Yeah. You put, I, all, you put all the time into the ravioli. You didn't have time to make me more than three. I know. Yeah, <laughs> oh. yeah but they're also those three, right? Each one's half the size of an envelope. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. It's the payoff, isn't it? It's like three big ones or like ten regular size ones. And they're like twenty six dollars, and it's like what? Yeah, where's the other bit? <laughs> Latina's on special down the road at Coles. Exactly. I'm gonna put a sauce, and I've got a two dollar meal. No. Yeah. <laughs> so look. As we get towards the back end, we always ask a totally unscripted question. Oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm going to go with one that we used recently. If you could be a superhero, any superhero, who would you be? Wow. <laughs> wow. I don't know. Depends, like, I don't know if it's, like, what's on for that day or what I can plan. Um, <laughs> I've always loved Superman, but I think for me being someone who's like never been muscly gifted, I'd love to be the Hulk just to see how like a strong person could operate for a day. I think that would be really cool. I don't know if it would help me getting up and down the court, um, but yeah, to be the Hulk, I think I don't, I don't know what I'd do. I think I'd just be the Hulk to be the Hulk, but. Yeah, well, look, on the court, on the court, you'd be the ultimate defender. You just have to stand in front of the bucket. Stand in the hoof and just, yeah, room protection. But (laughs) good question. 
You could probably swat a ball but deflate it at the same time. <laughs> you end up with a fine for ball tampering or yeah. delay, delay of game or delay something. Game. <laughs> um, yeah, go the whole love Superman. Yoshi on a motorbike. Yoshi on a motorbike. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now our producer, I think it was our producer, Mary, came up with one here, which was if Sammy's got your Powerade sponsorship. Oh, here. no, that was my, that was me. That was yours. Okay, sorry. This is niche, a bit niche, Jade, <laughs> so run with me here. But basically uh, when Megan Hufflet was covering the WNBL with her weekly uh, newspaper articles, there was a little bit of a Jade mem. <laughs> I'm hoping off your reaction right now. You know what I'm talking about. But there was a little bit of a side piece about things about Jade Melvin, and one of them was like, I just really love Powerade. And even when there's bottles, you know, left over, I'll just take them and I'll drink them. And I was like, damn, get this girl a Powerade sponsorship already. She's just plugged Powerade, like, to the max. You're an excellent role model and athlete on the rise in our program. It's a no-brainer. Get this girl a Powerade sponsorship. So has, has Sammy W hooked you up yet? He has not, no. But it was funny because Megan Husway texted me and was like, she, she did an amazing job with that column and article this year, like a full page in the paper, like so cool. She texted me and said she wanted to do the three-pointers with me. So we got two done, like, and they were genuine answers. Like I've learned a lot off our veteran players. I've learned a lot. And then she, I was like, three I was like well I only really score layups so like this doesn't really work out for me like I stay in the two-point range and then I was like well oh you know often there's an esky at the game if there's leftover power right I always take him like I don't want him to go to waste so um yeah it's kind of like a little she's like I'm putting that in so I've just plugged power because that was BA sponsor too like that looked after us in the WNBL and Sammy hasn't caught on to it so if you're listening Sammy the phone's always on. I'm pretty reliable, Texas. So, um, yeah, let me know. But we'll, we'll have to send him this clip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mary can cut up just this one bit yeah, and send, send it to Sammy. It to him. Hey, yeah. Sammy, you know, as Jade's agent, we just wanted to share with you a piece of the episode we recorded. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I've just plugged him on the pod. Like, yeah. yeah. He does a great job, but seriously, no. <laughs> I just thought that point in the three-pointer, it really stuck out to me because, like you said, the first two are really, you know, sensible and logical and, like, yeah, basketball focus. And I was like, what the hell, power rate? <laughs> it was so funny. I loved it. Like, I think I even, when I shared it on Instagram, I even made the point of, like, and tagged power rate. I'm like, come on, like, just draw attention to this. How funny is this? But also, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes, makes plenty of sense. And it was the Herald Sun too. It wasn't just like Terrellgan Express. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, still waiting. No. Nah. Still waiting. waiting. Okay. <laughs> Let me know. Let me know and I'll tag Power Rate again. Yeah. <laughs> we can get this clip and tag them as well, the yeah. Sammy. <laughs> Jade, it's been great having you on the show. It really has. It's been a lot of fun. Can't wait to see what happens over the next couple of years with your career. And for sure, we'd really love to get you back on the show, maybe after the World Cup and, and talk about the World Cup experience, however it turns out for you. But, you know, for what it's worth to everybody, we reckon you should be there. Thank you're you. In our draft, you're in our draft team and it was hard to draft a team because I forgot oh, yeah. about a bunch yeah. of people as well. But also, yeah. like we said, it's just so much talent that we've got here. 
I mean, the squad's stacked. You know, it's a 21-member squad and every person deserves to be in, in there and right. So, I mean, I'm going to do whatever I can to put my best foot forward and secure a spot, but um, I'll also be super stoked for the 12 that make it. But, yeah, it's it's a loaded squad. It is. Jade, thanks so much, and we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It's been a ball. Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.